comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. And welcome to the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined this week by Jim Yoda Jones Dietz. How you doing, Jim? If you don't end this episode with the song Beth by Kiss, then you are doing our listeners a disservice. <laughs> and we're also joined by Aaron. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction, North. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing great, but I disagree, Jim. I think this episode is ending with the song Rick Roll. Uh, never going to give you up, of course. <laughs> By Rick Astley. Like, like Rick rolled over the cop. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have two competing votes, which means I'll choose whatever I want. Yeah, this week we had the mid-season finale for The Walking Dead, Coda. And uh, before we talk about the plot details in, in, well, detail, what did you guys think of the episode? I, I've learned to getting an impression from, from the two of you, so maybe expound a bit on that. Well, well before I get to that, I have a beef to pull with uh, AMC, and I know some people might be aware of this already, but I live on the West Coast, and I don't know if you guys are aware of this because you are both East Coasters, but AMC, in all their wisdom, The Walking Dead's social media manager which is ironic because I'm a social media manager in my day job, but whoever's on that one, they decided to pull a little mess up and post a very pivotal image um, and some very revealing spoiler stuff on their feed minutes after the East Coast airing of The Walking Dead happened. So I was spoiled on this episode's finale well before I actually got to see the episode, along with, you know, thousands and thousands of other people that also just happened to see it. Now, normally... I don't like I don't go on Twitter and I don't go to Facebook when Walking Dead airs because I I'm just I know better than that but I know how to also avoid things but it makes it very difficult when the very show that you're trying to avoid posts it on their own media networks and that was very irritating to me and it hasn't happened to me before I haven't been spoiled in that because I'm very good at avoiding these kind of spoilers but leave it to the Walking Dead themselves to make sure I had a bit of a bit of a tainted night in that regard Have you considered moving? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even like some oblique, you know, hint or, or reference yeah. or whatever. It was literally a picture of Daryl carrying Beth's dead body with the hashtag and everything. It was yes, like, oh my god, with an R.I.P. Beth and a hashtag. It's like that. That was just uncalled for. Uh, they've they've since apologized in their feeds and like, yeah, that's fine. And like, I'm I'm not the guy that's going to hold out some kind of crazy grudge because you know I'm a logical, reasonable person. But at the same time. I don't know if that tainted my thoughts on this episode or not, but getting to that, my thoughts on the episode, to wrap this up, um, I really liked the opening five minutes, and I really liked the post credit scene, and in between, there was a lot of stuff that happened that I'll respond to later. I thought this was a real mixed bag of an episode. 
there were stuff that, there were moments I really enjoyed. There were moments that I just scratched my head and went, huh? Um, especially as strong as the season has been so far for them to hit the, you know, the end of the half, first half of the season with this as their uh, finale, I thought was kind of uh, a missed opportunity. Um, again, kind of a mixed bag for me this week. And I seem to be in the vast minority in that I kind of really liked this episode. I, I definitely had some problems with it, which we'll definitely get into. But as an episode separate from the season in whole, because I have even more to say about that that was bothersome, as an episode by itself, I kind of really enjoyed it with some reservations. But we'll get into all of that. So I know our listeners are also, not to spoil things, sorry, Jerry, but are also more on uh, on your guys' side than mine. And I get that. It seems to be pretty much everybody disagrees with me on this one. But whatever. I'm just glad that we all have a, 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 a new idea for the spinoff series in mind involving Percy. I feel like he can go places. <laughs> He's Not very fast. He's the breakout fast. character of this season. <laughs> <laughs> He's the breakout character of this season, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Percy and just the strawberries, you know, his whole black market network, mm-hmm. you know. It's, Being pushed it's, over by random jerks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because everybody hates Percy. Except Beth. Beth liked Percy, but uh, spoiler, she's not around, so he's screwed. Noah loves Percy, because it gets the heat off of everybody hating Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shall we get into the actual plot summary, gentlemen? Oh, there's an episode? Yeah, okay, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, episode 508 was entitled Coda, and it was r- directed by Ernest Dickerson, a uh, longtime uh, Walking Dead mainstay, and written by Angela Kang. And it has a bunch of guest actors, most of which I think we've had in the last couple weeks, but I'm going to read them all anyway because there are a couple new ones there. We have Christine Woods as Officer Dawn Lerner. We have Tyler James Williams as Noah. We have Eric Jensen as Dr. Stephen Edwards. Maximiliano Hernandez as Sergeant Bob Lamson. Christopher Matthew Cook as Officer Lakari. Ricky Wayne as Officer O'Donnell. Terry Webble as Officer Shepard. Kyle Clements as Officer McGinley. Uh, I hope that's Ted C. Uh, Rico Ball as Officer Franco, <laughs> Mark Gowen as Percy, the ever wonderful Percy, and uncredited Lenny James as Morgan Jones. If you remember to stay after the credits, can we like have like a contest where we put up the names and pictures of those people and have a matching thing going on so people can, if if they can do it on, like less than like a minute, <laughs> like give some kind of prize away? Because I, I don't, could, I could probably do. I'd say there's like two, maybe three officers that I'd confuse, but the others I could probably do. I know, like, Lamson. I know Bob, but, like, everyone else like, well, I don't know these names. You know Bob care. from the Captain America and the Marvel movies, so yeah. at least I did. And Shepard is pretty easy because it's the only other female cop other than... Uh, well, if it just said Officer Shepard, I don't know if that's a female name. If you just said... No, uh, but, well, well, but I do. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying is, okay. because it's the only other female, I can't get her confused. The others, not entirely sure. Okay. There was there was rapey guy, but he's dead. Like who was the largest cop in history? What was his name? I don't is, remember. Is that Lakari or is that McGinley? I don't know. I don't, I don't care. Know. Giant guy. Even if you took is. out Don's name, you said Officer Lerner. I'd have no idea who that is. Well, I don't even think they ever said. Well, they probably did at some point say Lerner, but they always just called her Don. It's like so. on her badge or something. <laughs> yes, Sergeant Don. Anyway, this episode starts out uh, with several different things happening simultaneously where it's a little bit purposefully obfuscated, so you can't really tell what's happening exactly. You do know that Officer Lamson is uh, trying to sever the plastic cuffs around his hand or the plastic zip ties, whatever exactly it was, um, on a sharp piece of the front of the 
cop car he had come in, or, or the other cop car, I forget which one it was. Exactly, you have someone running, and you only see their feet, pretty much, and you have zombies coming in at something. Uh, those three things come together as the zombies start creeping up behind Officer Lamson. He sees them, and so he starts running before even his, uh, his cuffs are undone, and we eventually see that the running feet are Rick, who apparently was uh, alerted to Officer Lamson's escape very soon after he escaped, and he's chasing him down. Officer Lamson runs away from the car. Rick gets to the car, chases down Officer Lamson while using the uh, the loudspeaker on the car to tell him to stop. Just stop. I'm telling you to stop. Officer Lamson doesn't, and so Rick runs him down. He Rick and rolls it was him. Awesome. He does Rick roll. Him. I got to give credit to my friend Scooter on that one. That was he came over that line right away, and that made me laugh quite a bit. So. <laughs> Uh, we missed, but when Rick's running, by the way, he slashes a zombie's guts and they all fall out in the thing. In kind of a overly obvious CG shot. Yes, I it, didn't think yeah. that effect was particularly convincing. I wouldn't either, but I like the kind of the visceral nature of like Rick running real fast. And like, oh, there's a zombie. And like gets him real quick. Agreed. Um, I, I really like this opening scene. I And we'll get to what happens next. <laughs> we didn't even finish the, off the opening scene yet. But I, I really like this, the, the editing choices made here to kind of give this kind of I mean if you're watching the show you know what's going on but there's still kind of an in media res type opening situation where it's like just things are happening and it's just really well edited I enjoyed that I thought that you know the Rick had other options here he could have like shot him in the leg or slowed him down or whatever but but killing him he kind of screwed his own bargaining chip you know what I mean I agree it's a cool sequence and a cool scene the way it was shot and everything but I just kind of you know I guess Rick is still a little crazier than I'm giving him credit for <laughs> Rick has no time for your nonsense I guess not. He's like the twelfth doctor with a gun. I mean, I know, I know, Daryl had to talk him down the one time from killing the cop, but I explained to him that three was more than two. So, like uh, Jim alluded to, once uh, Officer Lamson is down and appears paralyzed, from what we can tell and what is uh, intoned by Officer Lamson, obviously there's no medical checkup being done at the time. I think he's more of just he got knocked down and he can't just get up because it hurts and he's, his arms are bound behind his back. I, I mean, I'd have to go back mm-hmm. and watch the scene, but I don't think he moves aside from his head at all. For just, the next like minute he, and a half, he's on I, screen. I think it's just because he's hurt. Like he's he, he can't he, he's not going anywhere. Rick's not allowed, about to let him get up and walk away again. Like it's just yeah, but he doesn't even like squirm. He has a head injury. <laughs> like he he did fall flat in his face essentially. Like he got hit by a car. Yeah, I mean I don't think he's <laughs> paralyzed. I just think he's not wanting to move right now. Well, it's it's irrelevant eventually because he yeah. pleads for his life. He has to be taken to the hospital, uh, and Rick is having none of it. He shoots him in the head and then says, shut up, and returns to the group, which was awesome. Yeah, I, I like bad, this badass Rick care mode. I, I enjoy uh, seeing this in action. Uh, I, I understand. It's not that I'm saying that you know his actions are justified or whatnot but i if i'm gonna see a version of rick this is a preferred version that i enjoy at this current time yeah like i said it was a cool scene i just kind of was questioning the logic of his actions when he was doing it but i mean it makes sense for him to do it he attacked one of their people you know he 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 was already lying to them so Mm -hmm. or may, may have been lying to them but he already tried to screw him over so Rick returns to the group, and uh, there's some discussion, you know, will this result in violence between Rick's group and Dawn's group? Um, should we still try the deal, or should we just go in with the original plan? And they decide to still, that the the other officers that they have captured, Officer Shepherds and Lakari, which means Lakari is the giant guy, they agree they will concoct a story that Lamson was killed by walkers, they won't give up the, the, the ghost, they will, am I even using that phrase correctly? I have no idea. They won't let Dawn in on what really happened. They'll go along with it. They just want this to be over, more or less. 
which I believed. I had no reason not to. It's like based on what we're being told about this whole Grady situation, which I don't need to. We'll get into why I don't really care about Grady or how poorly I feel like it's been established. But yeah, I mean, I get Don is apparently not the strongest leader in the eyes of everybody else. So them lying to her about something makes complete sense to me. And not very well liked by her own people either. It seems. Yeah. Even the ones that are like incredibly loyal to her don't like her. You know. See, here's the thing. I had a hard time believing them because neither one of them looks particularly trustworthy. Like uh, Maximiliano Hernandez, Maximiliano Hernandez looked the most trustworthy, and of course he wasn't. Officer Lacari like looks like he's just going to I don't know kill you with his eyes, and and Officer Shepard, she also just something about her seems squirrely. So I was not prepared to trust either one of them. I, I can agree that I wouldn't like stake my life on their word, but at the same time, given the Don situation that we've pre- been presented with. I can believe them at that current time, given that Rick just shot a guy in the face, and there's not many other options happening. With the outside full information of seeing the entire show and not just being in their shoes, or in Rick's shoes, sure, I get that. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they seem to dislike Dawn as much as I do. (laughs) Yeah. So, at the hospital, order is starting to break down. One of the officers fails to respond to Dawn's attempt to communicate with them and they begin to lose faith in Dawn's leadership. There is a scene between... Well, you have multiple things. You have Percy getting bullied by one of the officers. Beth tells him off. I believe Dawn tells him off. And then he gives him, like, a really creepy, rapey look. Super creepy, yes. Um, For any of us who who are complaining that early on we only really saw one evil officer, it seemed, in the first episode, it's pretty much confirmed that all of them are pretty awful. Yeah, they they really uh, may be aware that, like, all these guards have evil switches on their backs, and they've all been flipped on on position, so... (laughs) And they have this scene between uh, Beth and Dawn where I, and I, I, I really liked this scene. And the thing is, I wish it had been – this is what I was talking about with, um, you know, this episode by itself I kind of really liked. But there were some things where in the context of the larger season I had problems with. That scene between Beth and Dawn where they just – you know, where Dawn is really assuming the role of um, emotionally abusive boyfriend and – Yeah. And – but trying trying to make it seem like she's on Beth's side and all that stuff. That should have been in the first Beth episode this season. That was the most interesting thing that Dawn has done this season. And by keeping it this far, I think it really hurt um, overall reception to the character of Dawn. I can't stand the character. And even with the emotional uh, scene that you're referring to, I just I, I find her poorly motivated. I find her not charismatic enough to be a good villain or to be even a good heavy. And she doesn't even seem to have a raison d'etre for what she's doing, other than I need to defend order because order is what I've known. Her motivations are just really murky to me. Even a basic understanding of what, like, how you write this character out, it just seems boring and repetitive. It's like it's another tyrannical leader trying to hold on to power and holding on to a shaky truce in some society that they've developed. Except this character's not nearly, even the governor who I had problems with, not nearly as fascinating as that character or the termites. I mean, it just it just feels like a, a repeat that's been copied too many times and just comes out far inferior to the thing, the people that preceded her as far as kind of villainous characters go. It's kind of a bummer because, I mean, she could have been a really cool, like, they could have used the character as, like, you know, showing what Rick could have become. You know what I mean? Like an alternate Rick, you know, path that Rick could have gone down because, you know, they were both in law enforcement when this happened and everything. Or they could have done so much more with the character than they have. I mean, like like you said, Aaron, the, the Terminites are more interesting. The, the governor 
Baltimore was more interesting. Some of the governor's henchmen were more interesting than Dawn. I just don't, you know, I don't buy her motivations. I don't buy her menace. I don't understand why we're supposed to buy that she's an authority figure in this situation. I think there'd be less of an issue if I felt like Grady had a better establishment from the get-go like i i complained about having having this to begin with just because i didn't like slab town as much of it as an episode but at the same time right. if they gave me less of a shaky ground to work with if i really understood the process of grady not just given a basic like some people really suck here and you work off your debts and like it just seems like the, the rules are too scattershot without me getting a clear understanding of like how it's being governed and whatnot where i just i already didn't care about grady and now we have this kind of pivotal episode hinging on the politics of Grady and getting people in and out of there. It just, I didn't end up caring that much about it, which is what my main issue is. Yeah. And, and I guess my issue is that I, I just don't know the why of Grady. Like I can explain to you why the governor did what he did. He was batshit crazy and, and craving power. Or I can explain to you why the Terminites did what they did or whatever, or even the claimed guys, you know, I can give you their, their like raison d'etre or whatever, but I cannot do that for Dawn. I just can't. She just doesn't, it's not well-defined enough. And what is there isn't interesting enough to make me want to fill in those blanks myself you know? i want i want to jordan i want i want to hear you i'm sorry we keep kind of going bad <laughs> no, no in your say but i want to just back up one point uh the, the character of don played by christine woods to her credit um there's a show on hbo called hello ladies and she was the co-star on the show of uh, Stephen merchant who's best known for like working with um ricky gervais a lot in, like the office and the voice show. of wheatley in portal 2 yeah and, yes he's the voice of wheatley in portal 2 and, but she's on that show and she's very she's a good actress she's a funny actress i do like her and other i've seen her in other things that i've liked so it's not i'm not just like railing against christine oh, no. Williams as an actress i think she's doing what she can given the scripts that she's given and whatnot it just feels <laughs> like a bit of miscasting and a bit of weak writing in the part of this character and that just it just rubs me the wrong way it's but, the uh, character jordan, not the actress jordan what do you have to say I'm sorry. well with all that said and while i don't agree with everything you're saying about the character i, I don't really have that hard a, a time understanding her motivations but that aside i that still loops me back around to my original question of if this scene th this scene in particular before the violence and everything that comes in the second half of the scene if this had taken place in Slabtown and we had expanded on the character and her motivations and the hows, wheres, and whys from there, instead of the repetitive nature of the character up until this point, do you think it would have served the show better? Do you think it would have served the character better? It's possible. I do. I concede that. I think, I mean, any, <laughs> there's plenty of ways to make things better. And I think, yeah, if you had time spent on strengthening, strengthening, a character like Don and with having these conversations and, you know, reconfiguring how Beth and Don interacted as opposed to just having her randomly slap Beth and having us have to pick up the pieces after the fact, that would have probably would have been more effective. Um, so, yeah, it's I mean, it's difficult to say, but yeah, yes, I agree. It could be more. Yeah, there, I mean, if you move, move certain move various character based scenes around and replace scenes that I didn't think helped Slabtown very much. Sure. That probably would have helped the episode. And this episode. Like I've said, most of the scenes that Donna's been in so far, I, I, I haven't had a problem with them. I haven't loved them, but I thought they were fine. But this was the first scene that made me go, oh, okay, I really think I get this character now. And I wish it had been way earlier. I think I still had just residual problems with the Slab 10 episode where it just felt like every scene in that episode was another random character that I'm not going to care about three episodes from now monologuing. And so getting right. getting more scenes of just Don, who a character I already am not a big fan of, monologuing towards Be two characters that die in this episode by the way it's like so what what are we really getting out of this in the long run beyond like oh i get it now and like i feel like i could have got what she got 
in much less time spent on these characters. So, but I'm um, just hearing lots of monologues between two characters, one of which is getting better, Beth, and the other is one that is don't care about. And by the time this episode ends, I'm done with Dawn, and so her dying's like, all right, what? It, don't good. And Beth, it's like, well, you were just getting interesting, and now we've just instead got to a shocking death with you. Like it's just it's like things that just irked me throughout this and the the, the way it was put together. Yeah, I think if they'd gone a little little further, a little better with Slabtown episode and making us care about what was going on in Grady, I, I see your point, Jordan, that, you know, it would have had more gravitas when all this went down in this episode, but, you know, as as it stands, you know, by the time they got to the scene, it just seemed like too little, too late for me. Fair enough. I can't say they're not trying. I can give, like, I, mm-hmm. we've, like with Slabtown, we were kind of, and I know some people brought this up on the Facebook on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash WTV podcast. Um, um, it could have worked as maybe like a webisode series involving Beth. And I think at the point that we're at now in this episode, I'm much happier that this did get fleshed out to the point that it did. I'm not exactly happy with the results, but at least they tried to do something. I'm, I wouldn't say like I wish they did something completely different from this plot because I don't think that's true. I'd rather see The Walking Dead try to be an ambitious television series as opposed to repeat something that you know already worked once and try their bets again. So like they're trying, and I you know I credit where credits due. It's a it's a there's a lot of interesting direction in this episode. I like so we'll get to some of the scenes coming up and things like that. But yeah, it's just a lot of it just didn't work for me as well as they probably wanted it to. So the second half of the scene we get to is that one of the officers has overheard this conversation in which uh, Dawn has admitted to um, several things she has done or covered up that the officer wants to use against her. He threatens to do so. There is a well, scuffle's probably too minor of a word, but there is a fight, and eventually Beth ends up jumping in and pushing him down an elevator shaft. There's there's a fight with like heavy emphasis on foley sound effects. <laughs> there's a lot of like <laughs> punching and walls being hit, and I was like, yep, <laughs> certainly someone had a lot of fun scoring this scene. <laughs> when Beth began this this scene in the elevator shaft, like sitting in it with her legs over the thing, is like doo doo thinking about things. Um, I was thinking this scene has to end with somebody falling down in the elevator shaft, or else it's a waste of the setting. <laughs> it's Chekhov's elevator shaft. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Later on, Beth accuses Dawn of manipulating her into killing both Officers Gorman in Slabtown and O'Donnell in this episode, who was the elevator shaft guy, because they were thrust to Dawn's position, and she again says she's going to escape. Dawn denies it, and says she's, but says she's going to remember Beth's support um, by killing the guy. And during their conversation, at right at the end, or at least this is where I noticed it, we see that Carol has woken up. It doesn't seem like Dawn has noticed, but it seems like Carol is awake and has heard most of the conversation. Yeah, my, my disinterest in Don led me to just watching Carol breathe for most of the shots. So yeah, I, um, I did. Uh, I just, yeah, the end of this scene was she just she woke up all of a sudden, and you know, obviously the next scene is like, oh, you're awake. What's up? Then we return to the church or the the church crew for one of my other least favorite storylines. Although oh, this one was at least. The best of the Father Gilliam stuff, probably, because he barely says anything. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Read on. So, Father Gabriel has... Remember last episode, he flee the church, stepped on a nail. Maybe it was a Jesus illusion. Maybe not, but we'll get back to that. Maybe maybe we hoped he'd never return. (laughs) Yes. Well, except we knew he would from the scenes from next week's episode. But he gets to the school where the termites, the, the hunters, were hanging out, where they had eaten Bob's leg. And like we talked about the scene in the, in the spoiler section last week, he, he finds a leg, he finds a Bible uh, with a name in it, probably of somebody who knew and whose death he it led to by not letting them into the church, just because that sounds like something he'd do because he's awful. 
Eventually, the walkers break out of the school, which I don't know that I had been exactly clear on that's what it was when we saw the termites there, that the walkers were trapped in the building. Yeah. I thought they were kind of like just on the other side of a wall. But yeah, it seems like this is like a school full of zombified people. That's kind of actually I completely agree, Jordan. That is kind of how I was taking it. They're just kind of more boxed away from them, not necessarily trapped inside of something. So, yeah, it's neat to see that it's more clear now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so Gabriel limp runs back to the church, tries to crawl back under, can't quite make it, runs around to the front where they've set up cow, not even really cow traps, but they've set up spikes to kill the zombies. Um, he bangs on the door, which alerts uh, Michonne and, and Carl to the fact that he was even gone in the first place. They have to chop the door, not to chop the door down, but chop down the wood they had nailed over the door to get him back inside. The zombies follow them. They escape through the floor the same way he did. Um, a zombie falls into a machete, which was awesome. Um, yeah. His, his only kind of kill, uh, Gabriel being he. Then they try to decide what they're going to do, and uh, Gabriel says he can't keep running, and Michonne says they're not going to run, and she heads back into the church to slaughter the rest of the zombies, because Michonne's awesome. <laughs> Carl also gets some awesome stuff to do, but it's mostly Michonne. As this whole... I, I don't even... <laughs> this, this stuff... I'm... I, so I don't I don't watch like the next I don't wait for like the I don't watch Talking Dead very much I maybe watch like the first five minutes sometimes if it's because I'll watch the episode a few times and write the review and then like it's like one thirty at night it's like okay I'll watch this see what went on for a few minutes I, so I don't get to the like the 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 next week on scene or the exclusive clip scene so I didn't you know I I knew there was something involving Gabriel but I wasn't sure what that was exactly. All of that being said, last week I was very specific about my point of not caring about Father Gabriel because he just seems like a character that's going to inevitably cause harm to everybody else. And exactly. sure enough, what does he do? He brings every zombie from one place to the one place that they can call shelter currently and ruins it for everybody. It's just, it boggles my mind why I'd want to, like, why this character's still with the group. It's like, this is where you get banished. Rick yeah. wouldn't have any of this. I don't know what Michonne's thinking. It's like, hey, let's bring him in the, the ant the uh, fire truck with us because he's a good guy at heart i don't we don't need him he's just he's not helping this is too many cooks this is too many guys. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean there were interesting things that they were trying to do with the scene one you have the reverse of fortune with him being the one trapped outside of the church being pursued by zombies and trying to get back in the same thing he had done to his congregation i get it uh you get some cool zombie killing action because it's pretty much the only place in the episode where you get much of that there's a few zombies here and there otherwise that get killed but it's mostly here and then there's another weird crucifixion illusion mm -hmm. maybe or possibly i'm reading far too much into this but where they nail after all this they nail another board across the front of the church doors and use old school, like, <laughs> really, like, probably 1920s, but they look like, you know, classical representation of Jesus nails, if you will, into the door on either side of it. And that was just to, after him getting, you know, hit in the foot with a nail last week, seeing those old school nails being used on a board in that position here was really weird. I don't know if they're trying to do something with it, but it felt weird. Yeah, this is The Walking Dead. So yes, there's plenty of non-subtle imagery going on. And sure, if I have to choose between seeing zombies like fall into machetes and Michonne use her sword over seeing Don use an exercise bike, I'll choose the former. But I, I it's just, there's, there's so like, the Gabriel stuff is just so like, just idiotic decisions to me every step of the way and yes it comes from a character that's been established as basically 
a coward and a klutz, but my God, this was my eyes were just like stuck in permanent roll as I'm watching this guy lead hordes of zombies back to the damn church, yeah. like with, with the innocent boy, the woman, and a baby inside, and like begging to be let in. And I'm sitting I there, it's it. like we nailed the walls to not let this happen. Carl, get away from the door. This is we purposely made everything fortified so no one gets in. You get you got out. And- get in the way you came in because we're not letting you in. That's what I'm screaming. <laughs> he snuck out. He should have just snuck back in. You know, and that's what I was screaming at the screen. I'm like, why didn't you just go back in the way you came? You know. Oh my god. Plus, you're right. It's like, hey, all you walkers, guess what? Fresh baby, come on down to the church. And his motivation, at least according to him, was he had to see for himself. And from that, I gather that he had to see that they were really cannibals and had really been eating Bob's leg there. But they pretty much admitted that to him through the door when they were threatening to murder him and the baby and everyone else. So I don't know why he would need that proved. Like, it was it was just again, like I said, there was some cool stuff in it, but my god, leave this character behind. Once once again, like I said last week, it's like Herschel, except all the cool stuff about Herschel is not apparent in this character at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what he needs to believe to Oh my god, this guy. And it's like it's me taking a break from the Dawn stuff, which I already don't like that much, and going to this idiot. It's like this is not helping this episode at all for me. Like every complaint that some of our listeners have against the existence of Judith. I want to just point that lens right at Gabriel. Yeah, what, like, what has Judith done? What is who has Judith yeah. got killed? Nobody. <laughs> she cries at the appropriate time and otherwise is incredibly silent and motionless. Preternaturally and, and so for a baby of that age, I will tell yes, you. Yes, exactly. Personal experience. <laughs> exactly. You know who Judith's gotten killed? No one. Know who's lived longer than a lot of people? Judith. Why? Because she hasn't got anybody killed. <laughs> exactly. Judith ain't out there leading a bunch of walkers to the church. I mean, what the hell? Also, we should mention who helps Michonne kill all the walkers inside is uh, Abraham's group, uh, who arrives on the fire truck. Basically, do they even crash into the building? They kind of crash they into crash the into spikes the, and stuff, the steps and everything. Yeah, they block the door. Yeah. That's essentially what he does. He just and and, and they come help everybody, and they, they clue them in. Eugene's mission was a lie, etc. And Michonne informs Maggie um, that they know where Beth is, and they all decide to head to Atlanta. Seriously, the second Michonne said to uh, to Maggie, "It's like Beth's alive." The look Maggie gives, I swear, I thought she was going to say, wait, who, Beth? (laughs) (laughs) I thought Beth was dead. I have a Beth? That's more of my thought. (laughs) It's like, there's a Beth? Beth, Beth, Beth. I seem to remember her. And, like, Glenn walks up and is like, yeah, your sister. Oh, yeah, yeah, sister. Right, that Beth. So, meanwhile, in Atlanta, Rick has the first of a couple uh, showdowns of the OK Corral with a pair of officers from uh, from Dawn's group, and he proposes the trade for Shepard uh, and Lakari for Beth and Carol. And there's some nice moments here, such as where they ask where the rest of his team is, and the rest of his team, who all have sniper rifles or other various accoutrements pointed directly at those officers from the top of buildings. Um, I believe it's Sasha shoots one of the walkers who's approaching Rick and the group. Yes. And Rick waits a beat or two and then just says, they're around. Which was awesome. Yeah, yeah this like all the Rick stuff is solid. This episode, like I have no complaints about Rick and the gang. Like they're doing their thing and it works. Mm-hmm. It's straightforward. It's simple. There's not too much. Discuss- I mean, the discussion that happens is the one we talked about earlier, which is the other cops lying for the sake of lying to you know make Don feel whatever. But I I like this part portion of the episode. And yeah, like that meetup scene, like the way it's shot. Like we talked about it last week, I think in the closing segment. Like it has this kind of western vibe to it. Like it just it feels right. It just feels good. So they agree to the trade, and Rick's group meets Dawn and her officers at the hospital. 
Beth packs up her stuff, and we see her hide a pair of scissors or sutures, probably the same ones from Slabtown in uh, the cast on her arm. The trade is very tense, very good scene in general. Yeah. Um, they they trade one person at a time, you know, uh, one, of, one of Dawn's officers for Carol, and then the other officer for Beth. And everything seems like it's going to be fine. Uh, but at the last minute, Dawn says... But as a condition, you have to give us Noah back. Beth was my aide, my orderly or whatever, and uh, since I don't have her anymore, I need Noah back. And uh, everyone pretty much says, well, that's not going to happen. But Noah finally agrees, look, if it's going to keep everybody safe, I'll go. Don't worry about it. Beth gives him a hug, but then she turns to Dawn and tells her that she knows now what she needs to do. And she stabs Dawn in the shoulder with her scissors, causing Dawn to reflexively fire her gun, shooting Beth in the ke- in the head and killing her instantly, which uh, causes a distraught Daryl to shoot and kill Dawn in response. You know there's a lot of tension in the scene because there's a lot of Dutch tilts going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a very Dutch angle broom, that's for sure. Now, yeah, as I said, AMC kind of ruined the fact that this was going to take place. But at the same time, it is shocking to... to see you know how it happens because i didn't know what was going to happen and yeah seeing, oh yeah to seeing beth suddenly take a bullet in in the face and like in the, the the angle on that shot and again i watched this episode like three times to write the damn review so i'm like i see beth's like head explode like a multiple times in one night i'm sure that's a gif somewhere um <laughs> back it, into it was, the left it was pretty back brutal into the left that, that was something and then yeah i i I was, like, yelling at everybody. It's like, where's Daryl? <laughs> so, so he's going to react to this. Sure enough, walks right out and shoots Don in the face. And so, you know, a lot of tit for tat going on. And, you know, Don's gone, so yay enough. But, yeah, I mean, as far as shocks go, sure, it's shocking. Uh, even, spoiler aside, it's a shocking thing to take place. Oh, yeah, I actually exclaimed when it happened. Like, it surprised me. It's, yeah, um... As far as what it means for the show, like, I, you don't need Beth, and if anything, I should have, not that I, like, try to predict who dies on the show, but it it makes sense to me, looking at it now, that Beth is the one that goes, because the show is, you know, we've basically inserted an entire plotline involving just Beth just to keep her on the show, while everything else seems to be working just fine without her, so it makes sense that you don't really need her on the show at this point, um, given the large ensemble cast and the fact that most of the other characters are a little bit more interesting, although Beth has become a stronger character despite my gripes with the episodes involving her this season. I mean, it's it's a shame. She's gone. The shock is shocking, because that's what shock is. Uh, so, yeah. It it's not, it's not yeah. so shocking, though, because it's The Walking Dead. I mean, we expect cast members to die yeah. in the course mm-hmm. of the season. At least I do. I mean, you know, having read the comic or watched the show this long, I mean... Granted, the, the scene itself had the shock, but afterwards I was just like, oh, well, thank goodness Dawn is dead. I don't have to listen to this boring character anymore. I mean, Beth, <laughs> and Beth has been around you know, for a while, but like you said, Aaron, she's kind of become extraneous since being abducted. And uh, you know, the only you know, service she's like provided for, for a few seasons now is singing the dramatic you know, song at the end of the episode when we get the recap of where everyone is. You know? Well, and watching Judith. So. Yeah, she's become yeah. she's become something of a punchline in that regard. And with Although that Tyrese said, watches I'm, Judith more, you know. With that, and we should get back. To, we have there's a Tyrese Sasha scene we skipped over too. We should get back to in a bit. But, oh, true. But um, yeah, Beth has become something of a punchline involving the song stuff. And given that a lot of people were predicting Carol might be the one that bites it this season, given all the development we had for her character, it almost seems like a kind of a sleeper miss that no one was really thinking about Don, or at least not voicing that opinion as loudly because 
Beth got just as much characterization this season as well, to an extent, uh, to which it led to her being the one that died, which, as we've kind of brought up on the show before, the characters that get suddenly a lot more character development tend to be the ones that get bumped off the show, um, with like the exception of like Rick, for obvious reasons. So it's... It, I, yeah, I, Jim, I understand uh, that's a show that's, a you know, it, one of the things about it is that it has shocking character deaths. That's something that goes with the comics and that's something that goes with the TV show. And, yeah, I'm not really, you know, I'm not I'm not emotional about Beth dying. <laughs> I don't really get emotional <laughs> about the show in general, despite, you know, certain things that take place. But when was the last time we had, like, a major character death? I guess it was, like, Herschel? Was it? Like well, that, you like, had Bob, you had Herschel. Major, I mean, Bob, I mean, Bob. Of, yeah, Bob. Well, I would say Bob is about as major as Beth. Um, she's been around longer, but in terms of actual actual doing stuff, probably I get, about the same. I guess more of like, major, like shocking. The little girls deaths. were around for. I mean, the shockingest death was probably you know Carol killing. The yeah, Mika girl and the, um, the other one. <laughs> whose name escapes me? <laughs> the other one, yeah, her. Yeah, Lizzie, one. Lizzie and Mika. <laughs> Um, <laughs> a little, the, you know, her. Yeah, Herschel. I'm trying to think of any others. What was her? What was the doll's name? <laughs> That's gonna bug me now too. Oh, I remember it was funny, but I don't remember. It's what, like, it was it's like, like Matilda or it's something like a, or Esmeralda. It's a P. I think it's a P. Hold on, I can find it. Priscilla, find it. Penelope Winterbottom. It's like Penelope something. Oh my god. But um, yeah. I, I, turns, I guess my, I meant more of like shocking death. So yeah, the little girls. That'd be a good one. Herschel's a good one. Um, like Bob's more of you knew Bob was going to die, I think, because I mean he was bitten. And, like it wasn't shocking that he died; it was just more of an inevitable. Um, and my my point, what I, I was trying to get at though, is that yeah, we haven't. Um, there was like a time in season what was season three when they got to the prison when it was like T Dog and um, the wife, you know, uh, Lori. Um, <laughs> these characters. It was just like one after the like. There's a lot of deaths happening like every week. It seemed and like Andrea it seemed, died at the end of that season. Yeah, it was like there was a. It seemed like there was a lot of character deaths, and that was something I was not necessarily complaining about, but something I was kind of noting is like, how much is too much, guys? Like, how much are we trying to shock versus how much are we trying to tell an effective story? So I could appreciate them trying to bring like an arc to a close and using a death as a way to you know put that together as well. Like, there's the way it came together that makes sense to me. Did was I a fan of how everything went down to get to that point? Not necessarily, but at the same time. At least we can move on, and yes, we got to see Emily Kinney provide a good... I think she did a good job with the Beth character, given that I've never been... I've constantly kind of put her at the bottom of the list in terms of Walking Dead characters, so I mean, the fact that she stepped up her game and got more to do, I can appreciate that. But yeah, so here here we are. (laughs) So this leads us to our, let's say, third standoff, which is after Beth and Dawn are dead, where everybody's pointing guns at each other, um, when it's finally Officer Shepard who steps up and says, everybody put your guns down. It was between Beth and Dawn. They're dead. It wasn't our fault that Beth died. We're kind of happy that Dawn died. There's no reason for anybody else to get shot, and everyone reluctantly, but does, put their guns down. Uh, Dr. Edwards proposes that Rick and his group stay at the hospital, but Rick turns that offer down pretty quickly, and instead he offers anyone in the hospital who wants to can leave with them, but apparently only Noah does, which was really surprising. And as they exit the hospital, they encounter the rest of the group. Maggie breaks down when she sees Daryl carrying Beth's body. And Daryl has already been crying the entire time. Oh, yeah. In the post-post-credit scene, you see Percy well, trying it's... to trying to catch oh, okay. up to the guys. <laughs> He's like, wait, wait, I wanted to come too. I, at the time, I was like, wait, no one else? 
Like, it's supposedly so horrible there. And we've seen it's pretty bad in the hospital. And no one else follows Rick's group. I mean, Dawn was bad, but she was the one kind of keeping everyone else in check. But I guess Rick and his group also do look like crazy hill murderer people. So, I don't know. I I guess I, in retrospect, can buy that even Percy would decide to stay behind. Griselda Gunderson is the name of the doll. Um, Griselda Gunderson. <laughs> um, I don't know where a little girl comes up with a name like that, but there you go. Um, yeah, the I, I had no qualms with the the who was leaving and who was staying as far as the hospital goes. Like it seems like Noah, the the least he could do is come with Rick and the gang <laughs> since he worked so hard to to try and make everything work out. Um, but yeah, as far as like emotional states go of characters. Been a bad, been a bad year for Maggie, who lost her father only a few months ago, and now has to deal with being told that her sister's alive, only to arrive to see the co- the corpse of her sister in the arms of Daryl with a giant head in her a hole in her head. So not not great time to be Maggie right now. And I could, you know, despite our our joking about Maggie not seeming to remember the fact that she had a sister. Sure, the sentiment's there. You can see in her eyes that she looks devastated that her sister has died and that, you know, it's it's presented right there in front of her as opposed to being told about it. So. Uh, before we get to the post credit scene, Aaron, you had mentioned the scene with Sasha and Tyrese. Um, I don't actually remember off the top of my head what that conversation was about, aside from the we've been through the same type of things conversation that they've had earlier. So what was it about that scene you wanted to bring up? Well, not to rub things in, but Tyrese does go into the fact that he, you know, he beat up that guy back in the cabin and he explains oh, Martin, Sa- yeah. he, ex- he explains to Sasha that he wa- he could have gone all the way but he chose not to so it, it wasn't a matter of he thought he was dead it was in fact he chose not to kill somebody because of the state of mind that he was currently in but he's also going he's, and the, the main intent of the scene is that Sasha shouldn't beat herself up over making certain decisions or whatnot because she's dealing with a lot of things she's dealing with the Bob stuff and you know just the nature of the world that they're in in general and as much as this stuff has been, you know, kind of on the the side of things, I mean, because we're dealing with Rick and Beth and <laughs> Gabriel, um, I do like the the Tyree Sasha relationship. If it means, and I, know, oh, I agree, and I know Jim, you're a fan of this as well. If it means, you know, Tyree's not, you know, having puppy dog eyes, staring out windows, and actually, you know, eliciting advice to somebody else, I can I can go along with that. I like seeing you know actors act in a show that's primarily about characters, and I think that's a good example of it for this episode. Right now that Beth is dead, does that mean Tyrese is the new Herschel, who's hmm. the new Dale? <laughs> well, I mean, we see it in the way that he you know he comes up with the alternate plan to go to the hospital too. Rather, than, I mean, yeah, you know, he had Rick's like Metal Gear Solid go in and kill everybody from behind uh, strategy, and then Tyrese. You know, I mean, it's definitely part of his character. Um, it, it, I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Tyrese in the books. So I'm starting to become more of a fan of Tyrese in the, in the show as it goes along. I think it's still trying to just shake it out with him, given how they've gone about getting his character to a certain point. So I guess we have to just kind of wait and see what kind of awesome he can become if that ever is going to happen. I guess I'm waiting to see what the status quo is when we get back to after the midseason and see who's doing what. Yeah, because I, I could kind of see, and this is all speculation, but... Aside from maybe a few scenes set directly after this, I could see them doing another time jump in this season um, to kind of get past the grief, and so they're not dealing with that constantly. But we'll see. Yeah. So let's get to that post credit scene, similar to the one from the first episode of the season. We see Morgan, and he's continuing to follow marks on trees. We'd actually seen this particular mark earlier in the episode by the school when Father Gabriel was there, um, and he eventually comes to the church, and he explores around. 
And he, he kind of, it almost seems like he's setting up a, a shrine, for lack of a better term, for a moment and taking a moment of uh, prayer and reflection or whatever. But then he kind of laughs to himself and, and, and turns away from that. And he finds the map and note uh, written for Rick by Abraham, which says Rick's name, Rick Grimes, in, in full on it. And he's shocked to learn that he's following Rick's trail. So it's interesting that it does not seem that he knew that he was following them. Um. I feel like we'll get more clarification on what I think. Certainly, obviously, certainly. obviously, we will, and when we you know actually get we will more. never come back to Morgan again. Yeah, that was it. That's all the Morgan again. It's just the, it's the webisodes for this year. It's just Morgan silently walking around. Um, I keep I keep uh, waiting for the scene where Morgan comes in on a zip line, guns blazing, like we keep hoping for. But. I, yeah, I'm hoping so. And this week he was decked out in like Denzel Washington Book of Eli type gear. So like I saw that in your review, and I thought the same thing when watching the episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly how he's dressed. So I assume Morgan's blind. Um, but with that said, <laughs> um, yeah, obviously we'll get more of an idea of what he's been doing. And, I mean, it could, there's a possibility he could have known he was tracking Rick um, the whole time and just, you know, was looking for clues or whatnot. And that's certainly quite the, mo- the more of the helpful variety of clues. But regardless, I just like, I mean, yes, there's like, there's, there's this whole scene of Morgan's about as long as the Star Wars trailer. So we barely know anything about it. But at the same time, I well, like when he pulls out that lightsaber, dude. That oh, was man, awesome. that was crazy. The, oh, my God. It was like a Swiss Army knife of wonder. Uh, but <laughs> it's um, I like seeing Lenny James and I like seeing, you know, him do stuff. And there's it's not much, but it's him silently acting. And he's pretty effective at doing that, apparently, because I was just very intrigued by all this instead of being bored by. Don using an exercise machine and talking to Beth about who cares. I'd rather just watch Bloody James <laughs> go around and stalking zombies and uh, going into church and laughing to himself. Like, that's just fun to me. It's like, yeah, all right, cool. What, what's going on with him? Well, I got to say, my favorite element of this scene, aside from just, hey, it's Lenny James again, is the use of the note. I really love stuff like this where yeah. did they have that note in the first place just so he could find it? And that's why it says Rick's name. Or did they look for things that they could leave to show that he was following their trail or, th- or that he was discovering their trail, either one, um, and think, oh, this note will work. The fact that I don't know that answer and that it worked really well for both things, it was a great little joke when it appeared the first time and it was a great uh, little indicator here. I love that. I love that I don't know if it was purposeful short foreshadowing or just them being um, economical with the things they had available to them, but either way, it worked really well. <laughs> I, I was happy that I stuck around. Like I didn't plan to stop it at the same time. I was like, all right, I guess I could get the remote. No, my God, there's something else happening. And I was happy that, <laughs> that happened. So, gentlemen, before we get to our ratings and all that, let's take a minute to talk about our sponsor. That's Discount Comic Book Service at DCBService.com. Uh, Discount Comic Book Service. Look, you hear us talk about them every week, and it's, there's no surprise there. They're a great service. Comics are expensive. They cost a lot of money. I spend way too much money every week on funny books, but I love them. DCB Service is a great way to get those books way cheaper. 15, 20, 25, sometimes even as high as 50% or more on occasion. I'm sure with the the Cyber Monday deals, which is when we're, spoilers, currently recording this Cyber Monday, I'm sure they had some awesome deals right there and with Black Friday and everything. They've got the comics, they've got the trades, and over also at their sister site, uh, InStockTrades.com, They've got the comic book-related merchandise, the statues, the t-shirts, the hats, the hoodies, the skateboards, whatever you can imagine. If it's nerdy, if it's comic book-related, there's a good chance they have it, and at a better deal than you're going to find pretty much anywhere else. So we thank them for their service, and we recommend, especially with the holidays coming up here, folks, check out DCBService.com, check out InStockTrades.com, and let them know that the Walking Dead TV podcast sent you. 
Celebrate Kwanzaa in style. Get your Walking Dead hardcovers today. Amen. <laughs> Buy a little plastic Daryl Dixon for someone you love. We haven't had the ratings for the last couple weeks because every time I've looked for them before the episode, they weren't out yet. But we do have them this week uh, and with some interesting notes for the first half of the season. So I thought I would mention that. These numbers, of course, come from Nielsen, but specifically from TVByTheNumbers.com. So uh, AMC's The Walking Dead, I'm reading here from the press release. Cap's first half of of fifth season was strong year-over-year growth, plus 12% among all viewers from last year, and plus 13% from uh, adults 18 to 49, which is the target demographic, which is the most important there for uh, advertisers. They had the highest-rated mid-season finale episode in the series history. Of course. With (laughs) 14.8 million viewers and 9.6 million of those in the 18 to 49 demographic. And across the first eight episodes of the fifth season, The Walking Dead beat Sunday Night Football five times and is the te- is television's number one show among adults 18 to 49 overall. Good game. Talking Dead also delivered its highest rated mid-season finale episode in series history with 6.6 million viewers <laughs> and 4.2 of them in, 18, in the 18 to 49 demographic. So Hardwick so, can finally buy that yacht, right? He can buy that second yacht to then just build them and as giant shoes for a giant statue of whatever he wants. Mm. Because, you know, God help him. That, kudos to him. That is awesome. It so is. Like, is I'm not, the like, numbers there are just insane. I'm, I'm having fun. But, yeah, I mean, that's it's just impressive. It's like, you know, fifth season of a TV show, it just keeps expanding. It's like a virus, <laughs> more so than a TV show anymore. And we've said it before, but not recently. For folks who don't follow television ratings, this doesn't happen. You do not have a show on cable. that just gets in ca- on cable, but even on networks either recently. You do not have shows that start out strong and just keep getting stronger. Maybe maybe in the second season you get a bit of a bump if a show had really good word of mouth. But a show plateaus very early in its run and then ratings drop consider you know consistently year over year. You do not have shows like this that go up by these kind of numbers every year for five years. It just does not happen. It's pretty much the inverse of the way most shows go. Like the pilot yeah. starts strong and then you lose uh, viewers by attrition, usually in the first two, few, uh, few seasons and bring them back by word of mouth or, or what have you. So it's like pretty much the opposite of uh, you know what the model is usually for television shows. Also, oddly enough, it kind of parallels the model of the comic. I mean, the comic started out pretty small, and then it just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed, which is pretty much the opposite of the way comics work, too. Usually, number one is your best-selling issue. Um, So it's kind of interesting that it's like the inverse of the um, conventional wisdom success model. Yeah, I don't think I talked about it last week, but I just last week read the newest trade paperback from The Walking Dead comic, which just came out, and... uh, you know, they have those times where things get a bit quiet for a few trades. And, you know, it's interesting, but it's not like the best you've ever read. But this most recent one and the ones in front of that as well, man, it's been on a good stretch of the last two or three trades. I am super into the comic right now. So if you were behind on the comics, catch up because they are doing some really cool things right now. I feel like terrible because uh, Hardcover 10 has been sitting on my table in front. I can literally see it in front of me right now for a good, like, month and a half now and i've still not read it i'm so busy <laughs> it pains is that me. all out war or is that hardcover number 11 i think it's all i think it might be all Out war i don't know but uh, all out war is great and this new one that just came out is also just fantastic like hardcover 9 had issue 100 in it so going off that <laughs> i i still don't know exactly but um 
Yeah, it might be at least the road to All Out War, because I think they're up to, like, the 120s now, and there's 12 issues per hardcover. Mm. But uh, any, either way, it's been on a really good stretch right now, so I definitely recommend it to people who have fallen behind. Uh, they're, they're in a good place. Um, the only other, like, show, like, what, like, Game of Thrones, maybe, that can, is, like, a show that's maybe somewhat comparable? Yeah, Game of Thrones, uh, the last half season of Breaking Bad had a big bump for it, but its numbers were still really small. I mean, yeah, it was never, like, a powerhouse ratings thing. Like, Game of Thrones, like, no, no. Game of Thrones, like, freezes internet servers from everybody trying to get on HBO Go <laughs> to watch the <laughs> yeah. damn thing. Yeah. So maybe... And, and e- even there, its numbers are, and granted, it's a pay station, yeah. but, you know, it's it's less than Walking Dead by a considerable margin, but well, maybe when we those find... are pretty much the two examples. Maybe when we finally start our Game of Thrones podcast, Winter is Cozy, we'll uh, talk about the ratings then. <laughs> So, gentlemen, let's give our ratings of this episode. Our Buster ratings, one to five, one being the worst, five being the best. Jim, what did you think of this episode? I have to give this one a 375, and that's been my lowest rating for this whole season because it's been a pretty solid season so far, in my opinion. It just, the parts of it that worked, worked really well. You know, the the bits with Rick were really good, I thought, um, but then other parts of it just did not me as much the whole as you mentioned the whole father gabriel sequence and stuff just didn't a lot of that didn't make any sense to me at all why you know and even though he's been sheltered like that why would he make such a bonehead move um so like i said this episode is kind of a mixed bag for me there are parts of it i thought were very cool and parts of it i just did not appreciate and kind of scratched my head i'm, I'm glad the dawn is gone i know that's callous to say but um at least she didn't hang around for us to really really hate her like we did with Lori. <laughs> so uh 3.75 for me Aaron, what'd you think? I'll be a little bit lower at a 3.5. Um, and even that's still positive. Like, uh, that certainly doesn't mean it's a bad episode of television because I certainly didn't think it was a bad episode of television. And I know, you know, listeners of this podcast, if you think I'm just yelling at the flaws in this episode, I apologize if it makes it seem like I'm just really negative on it. But I just did have gripes with it. And I think it's because I feel like season five has mostly been very solid. Just like Jim said, he's, you know, this was his lowest rated one. But for the most part, it's been a very solid season so far, even with Slabtown as an episode where I wasn't a huge fan of either. I've liked a lot of things in that episode with like Beth and whatnot. And, but just the season in general, I really liked the opening of it. I really liked these, some of these character episodes. I really liked the Abraham episode a lot. And, you know, this one just feels like it's a bit of a letdown based on us getting to this point, having all the pieces set up in this way where I felt like something really cool could have happened. And instead it was just more of a, a mixed bag and a loss of tension that comes from me not caring about certain characters and having idiotic decisions being made by the part of characters. It just, a lot of that just rubbed me the wrong way. So I just kind of am, I'm more down on it than I would have liked to be, but I still think it's a, it's a good episode of the walking dead. Just not a very great one, especially not for the mid season finale. Like I said, in the beginning of the episode, I fully recognize I'm an outlier on this one, but I was really surprised when I, you know, finished watching the episode and set up the, the buster ratings thread and started looking at some other stuff online to see that, why I really like this episode, the rest of the population of the planet seem to be middling to disappointed with it. Um, I'm actually going to give this one a four and a half. I, even with the Father Gabriel stuff, which, like I said, at least it was mitigated by the fact that he barely spoke in it and it gave us some at least cool zombie action. That might have bothered me, but in general, I thought this was a pretty solid episode in context by itself. In the context of the season, my number might be a bit lower, but I'm just taking this episode by itself, so four and a half for me. 
Um, and yeah, I realize I'm an outlier, but I don't know. You, I, I like this one. I don't know what to say. You and podcast fan Mike Jones, you guys can high five each other. You're both big on this one, so good on Digital you. high five, there Mike. You <laughs> there you go. Aaron Rich couldn't make it tonight because he had to work late, but uh, he sent us his thoughts. So would you mind letting our listeners know what he thought of Coda? I can do that. And uh, by the way, Rich, if you're listening to this episode, don't feel like I didn't see your post of R.I.P. Beth followed right by the Walking Dead post of R.I.P. Beth. So people <laughs> just spoil the things nonstop. Anyway, his review he has here. Uh, My takeaway from the fall finale was a mixed bag. There were some good moments, but overall we got an end to a story arc that was pretty much a throwaway in my opinion. The entire Grady Hospital arc felt forced other than gaining Noah and losing Beth. Nothing really came of it. It was cool to see badass Rick again, but his lack of pushing back on Daryl and Tyrese's trade plan was a miss. Why do we not see more of a schism between Rick and Daryl over the plan? Daryl's decision to go along with Tyrese, let's all be hippie and peace-like and it will all work out, plan ultimately cost them Beth. She would still be alive if Daryl and Tyrese cycles had not synced up and let their feelings get in the way. This was Emily's best performance in the episode. Maggie does not mention her sister for seven episodes. Now she's all worried. And of course she loses her. The last five minutes were good television. I am done with Father Gabriel. Looking forward to February. 3.25 busters out of five. Now, since you have his text still there in front of you, uh, he didn't text it to us, but the text of his email. um, What was he saying about him thinking there should be a a schism between uh, Daryl and Rick, because it seems to me Daryl has gotten whatever comeuppance there might be already from that he lost Beth. He's he's still well, yeah, but I true. Like, who's going to be mad at who at this point? That's that's very true. I guess my real question. That's very true, and that goes into what's going to happen in the next couple episodes, I guess, and how he might regret going about certain plans. Although I kind of doubt that we're going to see much more of Daryl reacting to the choice that was made and how to go about things. Because really, there wasn't a there wasn't a problem with the plan. There was a problem with Don. And there's a problem with Beth, really. I mean, Beth's the one that stabbed her and got shot in the face. Um, but yeah, he seems to be. It seems to him he's focusing on last week's decision more than this week's episode, where Daryl was just cool with what Tyrese was saying, and I am too. I mean, the plan worked for what it was in the process. It was just more of a an unforeseen variable occurred that made things go south, which is not to be unexpected on a show called The Walking Dead, where people you know die constantly, but. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have much of a problem with, with Tyrese's plan or even Rick's decision to go along with that plan. I don't think that was the the crux of why things turned out the way they did. Fair enough. I still think it was a bad plan, but <laughs> I, I can't wait to see how they deal with that in the second half of the season. I mean, do do we want to walk through what the other plan was? Just Rick killing everybody and maybe getting out alive of everybody? Like, were there would there be no like possible bad things going on in that plan? Because I mean, the, the plan they had. The only problem with the plan was that Beth decided to stab the person that shot her in the shoulder. I mean, that that's out of control of either Tyrese or Rick when it comes to planning things. Right. Fair enough. So, Jim, what did our listeners think of this week's episode? Well, we have a pretty uh, vocal and active Facebook group. I encourage all of you to join it. It's uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group. If you've heard of the Facebook, it's very popular with the young people. It's on the computer world. And uh, we, uh, every week, ask for your reactions and your ratings and busters, uh, one being not very good and five being the best. As always, our community has not let us down. We got some really good responses this week. Um, Brent Jones, 3.5, the day the music dies out of five. Loved ricking this one. Two great lines. Shut up after killing Lampson, and they're around after Sasha snipes a walker. Uh, watching Maggie get so happy hearing Beth is out there and everyone load up to go get her led to the really great scene where Mag sees Beth carried out. Her breaking down was incredible acting and made me genuinely feel sad for her. 
Uh, too much time spent on going into detail on the hospital cops. I agree. Uh, seems like we got more time with them than we did with the far more interesting termites. I agree there. I'd left Gabriel out there. That's what you get, you dumbass. <laughs> uh, but really got excited to see the fire truck pull up. Uh, Everard Santa Maria, four walkers slicing their heads in half out of five. Strong episode, but very Walking Dead comic, like when no one wins. Uh, that's true. Like the Mexican standoff, but wondered why Dawn mimicked. Uh, she didn't intend it. Uh, she obviously had her gun out expecting something. Gabriel was somewhat redeemed, as I'm sure they wanted. Uh, still, lots of dumb horror movie tropes around him and Michonne and Carl at the church. Um, another downside was Maggie all of a sudden caring about bats. So kind of the uh, opposite side of the corn from what uh, Brent said in his comment. Uh, a Tan Bono, uh, 2.5 boring backstories. I was very disappointed in this mid-season finale. Then we spent way too much time with unimportant characters and the whole Maggie Beth fiasco. Don't get me started. Uh, Trish Terrell Collins, four, Gabriel's machetes out of five, but huh? Did that walker actually split her head in two with that fall? The shut-up scene was stellar. I still don't get what Dawn's thing was about Beth's strange, sad, bring-on Morgan. <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, Brian Arnold, two, two surgical scissors out of five, a lackluster storyline treated with more gravity than it deserved and a poor way to kill a major character. The cops were uninteresting villains, and even though I wasn't a big Beth fan, the character I thought deserved better than this. Uh, Pamela Burton, three busters, I was really sad to see Beth die, and seeing the actress cry on The Talking Dead was sad as well. But I think Maggie's reaction would have been more impactful if they at least had her mention or wonder about her sister sometime throughout the season. <laughs> Uh, something that um, Aaron brought up as well. Um, Daryl crying felt more sincere because he at least tried to look for her. Uh, also, the episode was slow at times. The stuff with the cops was boring, and Gabriel leading the schoolwalkers to the church was predictable. Uh, Susan Monk, three too little, too late confessions out of five. Hey, I remember saying that. Um, some cool walker kills. Our team really works well together. The hospital cops didn't have a chance when they came out to meet with Rick in the parking garage. It was great to see him in a gun belt again, by the way. Uh, sad about Beth, but glad her departure was more emotional than a death during a hostage situation on another show, currently in its final season, but that's a story for another podcast. I'm not sure which one show she's referring to there. Uh, Robin Young Sanders, Three Busters, the best I come up with for this episode is meh. Uh, I thought it was a little better than meh, but I get where she's coming from. Uh, David J. Gary got 4.5. My heart was actually racing from the tension in the last 15 minutes. What else can I ask for? Also, the baddest of ass we've seen of Rick so far. Uh, Craig Dumond of 4.5 Crazy Rick's drawing his crown Vic out of 5. <laughs> Loved Grand Theft Auto style mowdown of Officer Bob. Also, Michonne had some great kills. Bear McCreary's score was per pure movie quality. And Morgan hated Grady Bunch characters that are boring and one-dimensional. Glad to see them go. R.I.P. Beth. I know there's a lot of Beth hate out there, but I would honestly rather see her survive instead uh, of Noah. I liked where her character was going. For anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, going around Reddit right now, there is a re-edited version of that opening scene, or the end of it, uh, or the middle of it, I guess, with Rick hitting uh, Officer Lamson, where it ends with the screen fading to black and the words wasted coming up, a la GTA. Oh, so. good. Nice. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. I know you've been playing a lot of GTA Five lately, Jordan. So. It's a good game. Uh, Max Sofer, 3.5 bloody fire trucks out of 5. This was okay as an episode, but kind of weak for a mid-season finale. Beth was finally getting interesting. Stupid Dawn. Uh, Mike Jones, five silent singers out of five. Rick Grimes back in fine form in a solid episode from start to finish. Ernest Dickerson delivers. Uh, Mary Turk Pecky, a four dead doodlebugs. Uh, two things saved me from being utterly disappointed. Rick Grimes shut up in the last ten minutes. 
I think I'll need to revisit the first half and with any hope appreciate the hospital arc. Right now, I feel it didn't just didn't work. Um, I'm kind of with you on that one. Uh, shame about Beth, even though her singing annoyed me more than I actually like. I actually like the character. Let's face it, she's done more than Tyrese. <laughs> oh man, I hope we get more of Morgan in the second half too. Uh, Shailen Benson Vega four Rick rolled cops out of five. Hey, he came up with that too, Aaron. Uh, I love that Rick is on full comic book mode. AMC spoiled it for me when they posted a picture of Daryl holding Beth immediately after the episode aired. Ian Tim's four out of five missing stop signs. Not as action-packed as I'd hope. Still some odd decisions. Enjoyed the footstep direction. Uh, Hezron Mack, uh, 3.5 hostage exchanges are bad ideas. <laughs> Tyrese, Tyrese's out of five. Uh, the open and ending were stunning. The middle was a mixed bag. Uh, the talks with Beth and what's-her-name seemed clunky. <laughs> I guess she mean, he means Dawn. Uh, the Terminus villains had more intrigue to them. It would have been better candidates to flesh out, and the stuff of the Reverend was irritating. Uh, Luke Smith, despite knowing it was a possibility, I'm absolutely gutted. Beth is gone. Glad Carol is still with us, though. I like that we got to see Rick mow down someone down in a vehicle, reminding me of the prison story arc in the comics where he ran down Martinez. That is true. Uh, Monica Smith Anacito, three what's up with Dawn's out of five. I really just didn't get Dawn in her whole interaction with Beth. I'm with you on that one, Monica. Uh, it took up so much of the episode, I guess they needed to set up the ending. I still didn't get it. What a waste of a character death. Uh, maybe someone can explain that to me. Also, I totally agree with Pamela Burns' earlier post. Her assessment was dead on. Uh, Maggie's reaction, though sincere, would have had more weight if she'd been holding out hope that Beth was alive all this time. Uh, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington, my favorite name to say week after week. Uh, I finally got, caught up after my holiday in the USA and just watched the mid-season finale. I've got to give that episode five Bob's Decaying Barbecued Legs out of five. Uh, that episode was up there for me with the season opener. Loved it and loved the little Morgan teaser at the end. Really can't wait for February for the second half of the season. Uh, Daryl Taylor from the Taylor Network of Podcasts. I did enjoy the scenes of the hospital, but the church scene seems pointless to me. Uh, overall, it gets 2.5 scissors out of 5. Uh, Leo Cavalla, 4 out of 5 close-up headshots. Good episode overall. I can't wait to see how they type the Morgan story with the rest of the group, since it's obvious he is still a good period of time behind them. Uh, Jimmy Tucker, 4.25 official AMC Facebook... <laughs> official AMC Walking Dead Facebook page spoiling Beth's deaths <sighs> out of 5. <laughs> Uh, I watched The Walking Dead on Mondays via iTunes, and last night, about a little after 10 Eastern, I was scrolling through Facebook, and the official Walking Dead Facebook page had a huge image of Daryl carrying Beth, and the message, R.I.P. Beth. Oh, I, I hear the you. episode was, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've seen a lot of people complain about that. Um, I thought the episode was good, thought Rick's portions of the episode were the strongest, like seeing more of Morgan at the end. Uh, Robert Nigro, three senseless deaths of singers out of five. I need to rewatch this episode, but I doubt the rating will change. I feel the logical as many above me expressed so uh, expressed are usually covered over decently on first view by the show's uh, renowned zombie kill action, but then under some more measured thought, fall apart. Uh, Roger Austin is a four impaled walkers. Nice build to the episode with a great ending that left me with a tear in my eye. The second half of the season should be interesting with Morgan getting closer to and reuniting with Rick. And how far gone is Rick after murdering the cop he didn't have to? Uh, offering to take in any patience, quote-unquote, seemed to redeem him, especially considering Beth had just been killed. But how much more of the humanity Rick's been fighting to hold on to will he lose in the near future? Uh, should be good stuff watching that journey. 
And finally, Sarah Ann Howard, I did like this episode. I gave it four out of five fire truck rescues. The Father Gabriel Sweet sequences were the weakest of the episode. Why is that character still alive? Um, Michonne got some kick-ass katana action in there, though, and with Judas strapped to her back, <laughs> she is the baddest of badasses. Yeah, I got a little lone wolf and cub vibe off of that for a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm glad the Grady Memorial arc is finally complete. So thankful Carol survived. While I've not been a big fan of Beth, I think that she should have at least been able to get the kill on Dawn and been killed by a stray shootout bullet rather than a straight-on kill shot. That stupid Dawn person. Uh, Wonderful acting by the team. Norman Reeves' reaction to Best Departure was so spot on, as was Rick's reaction. He thought they had a done deal, and Andrew Lincoln showed his anguish in losing Beth at that last moment. Uh, while Maggie seems disconnected emotionally from, had seemed disconnected emotionally from her sister, her devastation at seeing Beth in Daryl's arms at the end was so heartbreaking. Uh, I'm so excited to see Morgan approaching, and can't wait to see him cross paths with Team Rick. And dang, February for more WD, that sucks. And if you, too, would like to uh, submit your uh, reviews, thoughts, opinions about The Walking Dead TV show, uh, if you'd like to be able to keep up on the uh, the latest news and uh, announcements. Also, um, there are links in our Walking Dead TV podcast group to uh, reviews that Aaron writes every week uh, for The Walking Dead, uh, although he has a break now until February. But you can read all his reviews from the first half of this season at theyoungfolks.com, and there are links there in our Facebook group to that. So... Check that, that out as well. Yeah, it is. Well, of course, man. It is a. It is, I do like doing the write-ups, as you guys know, and I, you know, even as much as I'm kind of yelling about this episode and I'm doing the same in the review, I do try to inject my humor into, which I hope I'm doing on this podcast as well. And it also is going to be nice to take a little bit of a break because it is a lot of work to do a, a whole write-up review, like within a few hours, for you know several weeks at a time. So looking forward right. to getting and back. It's not to just this, and it's not just this show you write up. You write up Gotham every week too, right? Yep, and I'll be writing up other shows as they come on. And I know, like I've been writing, I wrote about the Americans, and that'll be coming back soon next uh, next year. Yeah, so. great show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of cool things you can find in our Facebook group. Uh, please, please check it out. The Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group on the Facebooks. I mean, I just updated the cover page. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and I really, I really <laughs> would love to have this Terminus Steakhouse logo on an apron. <laughs> yeah, uh, for barbecue purposes, of course. Obviously. So that's pretty much it for this week's discussion of The Walking Dead. We will have, of course, a little bit to talk about after the end here for, you know, when we come back in the spring. Uh, For anyone who doesn't want to hear any spoilers, though, I will say that Walking Dead will return on February 8th, 2015. Um, And we'll probably have a few episodes in between here and there. We've got a few plans. We'll we'll keep them secret for now, but you'll find out eventually. But so February 8th, 2015 is when The Walking Dead comes back, which means you can expect to hear from us at the very least, very soon after that. But until then, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 972-798-3830 or send us an email, wdtv at hhwlod.com. That's right, it's a brand new email address. Hopefully it's a little bit easier for everybody. wdtv at hhwlod.com. But just check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows, like Half Hour Wasted, which just put out a brand new show yesterday. The Long Box of Doom, The Black Box, out now with Aaron and Abe. Aaron, what are you and Abe talking about this week? Uh, actually, this week, because there wasn't a major movie release, we're talking about just a lot of news items, or movie-related news items in general, including new trailers for Star Wars and Jurassic World and stuff like that. And last week you talked about The Hunger Games Mockingjay, which is a very fun episode. Yeah, thank you for that, yeah. 
Uh, and of course, Jersey Shore, the Ichabod Crane cast, which also just put out a new episode the other day, didn't it? The Ichabod Crane cast has put out a new episode recently, and uh, this week is the season finale, or the fall finale of Sleepy Hollow, so we'll have a new episode coming up this week as well. Very nice. You can hear lots more of Jim and many more HHWLOD personalities uh, on the DCTV podcast, or you can hear some of the other folks on It's All Connected, a Marvel Cinematics Universe podcast. If it's nerdy, if it's fun, we're probably talking about it on at least a couple shows. You can find them all at HHWLOD.com. You can follow us on Twitter at HHWLOD underscore network. I'm at Jordan from Jersey. Aaron is at Aaron's PS4, and Jim is at Yoda Jones. And so until there's no more room left in hell in the dead walk the earth, remember, we'll see you next year. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. See ya. And we don't have a lot of information for the mid-season premiere next year, but here's what we have. Of course, spoilers, if you don't want to know anything, stay far away. Um, but here's what we know. A, it'll be on February 8th, 2015. It'll be directed by Greg, Greg Nicotero and written by Scott Gimple, which is, as we've seen so far, a pretty good team when it comes to producing episodes, uh, writing and directing there. Um, and we do have a couple other bits of information, or specifically one bit of information and some scenes. We basically just saw scenes of people grieving Beth's death and kind of uh, coming to terms with what had happened uh, for the mid-season premiere. That's about what we have in terms of scenes. But we did have a very bit interesting bit of information from Kirkman. And I'm going to be vague here because I don't want to spoil anything from the comics. But he did say, um, because he was talking about the whole Is Daryl Gay thing, and he came out and said that while they had discussed the possibility in the beginning of creating the character, they eventually settled on him being straight, that there will be a gay character introduced into the show. Another gay character, we should say, of course, because there's Tara, but one specifically from the comics. Mm. And for anyone who's read the comics... There's only been a handful of gay characters, very interesting ones, but only a handful. And at least to my memory, all of them showed up in one specific area. And anyone who's read the comics knows what that means and knows something of what that might mean where the show is going. And anyone who hasn't, well, you haven't been spoiled, aside from the fact that we'll have some new fun characters. I'm, I'm sure lots of fun new characters next season or next half of the season. Uh, Kirkman also said to expect the show to be very different next year, that they're going to be trying out some new things that they haven't done before, which, of course, they do every year. <laughs> yeah, okay. But he made it seem like the format would be different than anything we've seen so far. It'll be more so sick, I'm, I'm interested to see what that means. Yeah, yeah. There'll be a laugh track. <laughs> Rick, I'm home. There'll be a lot more flashbacks, uh, Lost style. <laughs> and, uh, with... You know, that, I don't know that that would completely bother me. I've liked what they've done with flashbacks so far. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd want to see it every episode to the extent that Lost did, but yeah, they could do more flashbacks. It wouldn't bother me. Did you also read what Kirkman said this week about how he kind of regretted doing the CDC episode when he did? Yeah. Yeah, I, I read that uh, earlier. He didn't like the way that that wrapped up. He thought uh, Edwin Jenner was a much more interesting character, but that also they shouldn't have given so much information about, like, France and stuff, if I remember correctly, because the comic never deals with what the rest of the world is doing. Yeah, yeah. I I completely agreed with Kirkman on the on what he was saying about that. With that said... I get the reason to do something like that because it's a show for people that don't necessarily watch zombie movies, so they're not always in tuned on the rules of zombiehood. So providing some kind of episode that gets into that a little bit, I can see how that would make viewers of a show like this feel less alienated to the world of zombie media. So I see where it comes from. I, I get what you're saying. My biggest complaint with it, and I think this is kind of where Kirkman is going with this, or at least this is my reading into it based on my own opinion, but is that it led 
many viewers to think, okay, the cure is a thing that we should yeah, be looking that for too. or should yeah. be expecting. Yeah. And in the comics, no, it's not. With the exception of the Eugene thing, which was the same thing as here, the cure, just like in pretty much any other good zombie story, movie, comic, whatever, is not an issue. It's Zombies are here to stay, and... You know, everybody who could cure it, if there was a possible cure, is dead. So just forget about it, and it's all about survival. I think that does tie into people that are just not as familiar with zombie media to really recognize that fact of... Oh, fair enough. We're we're not headed towards ending this. We're headed towards just more of this. (laughs) Mm. I just felt like it was stuff that they didn't need to explain. I mean, why explain more than... you know? I I thought that was like one... I mean, not to go back to Star Wars like our previous thing, but I thought that was one of the weaknesses of the prequels that they felt they need to explain everything. You know, I mean, a lot of times in a story it's better, there are things that you don't really need to explain. You know, there are zombies. And then there are trade negotiations. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and that's fair, and... You know, I haven't watched rewatched season one episodes in a long time, but it'd be interesting to do that for like commentary or something in the future. But with that in mind, the other thing is that it is going into the characters, it's exploring who Rick wants to be in this world versus who Jenner decides to be, and that's I see where that again where that episode comes from. An episode that we all you know like. We don't dislike. Oh, yeah. We don't dislike this episode or whatever. But I mean, it's... and it seemed like Kirkman was mostly talking about the fact that the rest of the world was also working on a cure. That was the big detail that he didn't like. Including, he also didn't like uh, killing off Jenner so early. I believe, yeah, which I kind of agree with. He was a yeah. uh, that was Noah Emmerich, I believe. Yes, yeah, and he Noah was Emmerich. excellent in the role. Who's on the Americans now. currently? Yes. was he is. Yeah. So, anything else about this uh, half season before we sign off? Yeah, I think it's it's been a strong half season. I think after the the more character driven half season we had before, where the group was kind of broken up and they got to focus on individual characters, that this has been kind of a roller coaster ride all along. I mean, we've had some really you know, really cool crescendo moments in this uh, half uh, season. Um, So, I mean, overall, I've been really happy with it. Well, here's looking forward to the second half of season five. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you definitely in February, but I'm sure we'll have quite a few things coming out between now and then. So stay close to the feed and have happy holidays. Beth, I hear you calling, but I can't come home right now. Me and the boys are playing. And we just can't find the I didn't say record. Did you hit it anyway? I, I hit record and went, wait, I forgot something. Like, were you pointing at the thing, like, with your fingers? Three, two, and then you just went Well, for it, like I a, pointed like... at it in the sense that I put my finger down on my trackpad to hit record, and my finger kind of arced past the record button on the screen to get down to the trackpad to give you a visual. But... Anyway, too many cooks, too, too many, many cooks, cooks, too many cooks. I thought, we were, I thought we were starting over again. What, really? <laughs> yeah, really. After he said that, I, I started I started over. Yeah, I started over, too. Oh, God. Too so we stopped right now? Should I stop this? Too no, 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 no. I'm recording. I'm recording. Spoil the broth, but to fill our lives with love. Too many cooks. Have you guys seen any of the other infomercials they've done? Like a salad mixer or the um, uh, fart copter? 
I don't know how to find these things. Let's wait for the internet it's to probably it on adultswim.com or uh, yeah, youtube.com/adultswim probably. They're putting them on they're putting them on Adult Swim at like 4 in the morning and they're only listing them as infomercials. So um, you might actually hit a real infomercial if you try to watch it when it was on, but they've been popping up on YouTube. Um, but the, the salad mix, I mean, they're all Rob, Rob Hoybel's done a few of them, the, the, the comedian, I don't know if you know him. Yeah, Rob Hoybel, I know. Yeah, he was, uh, uh, human, he was giant, on Human right? Giant with yeah. Rob Shearer and Aziz Ansari. Yeah. And wasn't he part, was he part of Stella? No, he wasn't part no. of Stella. No, no. Yeah, but yeah, I've, I recommend all the, all the, um. The smart, the smart pipe is probably the best. It like um, it scans your fecal matter and then uh, tweets and uh, goes <laughs> to social media and let everyone know. And like, say if it scans like Big Mac uh, refuse in your in your waste, it'll you know print you out a coupon for another Big Mac. And... That's the kind of Jim li- Jim Deeds line that I want people to just like stumble into. Like it's on the radio. It's like it scans your fecal matter and then tweets like, "Well, was I need to keep right. listening to this show." <laughs> <laughs> It's the smart pipe. I want the person that's like the killer and too many cooks. I want to know what his life is like right now as he walks around town. <laughs> <laughs> Probably far less interesting than that video. <laughs> Do people like tape kick me signs that say like fake names from too many cooks characters on his back when he's walking around? I, I hope that he trucks around that eagle from the video. Yeah. He just keeps it on his shoulder. That, uh, that dude uh, who's like peeping through the window at the blonde. Yeah. Totally looks like Lucas King. One of our listeners. <laughs> oh, he does kind of, actually. One yeah, of our yeah. long-time listeners and fans, yeah. Hope he he totally looks like Lucas. I was like, is Lucas? Whoa, I gotta send that to Lucas. But of course, he'd already seen it. <laughs> so this is 128, by the way, Jordan. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Sure that's you true. know. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, a few weeks after 123. So. That is correct. All right. Probably five weeks, I would guess. Yeah, it's a good, good assumption. Math, math, <laughs> It's mathematical. And, you know, comic spoiler, when, Mor- when Morgan goes to Washington, D.C. and alerts the president and stops the zombie apocalypse, it's going to be crazy how they put that on the show, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean it's, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch when you realize that this means the president was not aware of the zombie apocalypse for the last two and a half years. But, you know, eventually you get it, you know, with the coke problem and all that. It makes sense. Exactly. Well, where do they <laughs> find out, a spoiler for the comics, that Steve Gutenberg is now the president? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> That's and he's sweet. trying to reform three men and a baby, which means Judas is going to be very important in season six. She is the chosen one. I don't know if we've established that. <laughs> she is the little baby. So th- enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> now the real question is, leave this in the episode or move it to the, sp- to the bloopers? Because I love it either way. Anyway. And when there's no more room in heaven and the dead must walk the earth, remember, choose your hospital and your health care as if your life depended on it. Hurry up, Percy! Where are my strawberries? Where are my strawberries?